Hello and welcome everyone to the Sovereign Grace Podcast. I am your host, Christopher. And this evening we have a very interesting uh, podcast for you. And this topic, for to- the topic for tonight's discussion is Christians and Conspiracy Theories. Or Conspiracies, if you will. Tonight... I wanted to do this show because I thought it would be an interesting topic of discussion for fellow believers, especially in light of current events and what's going on in our society as of right now. There are a lot of quote-unquote conspiracies that Christians often find themselves in, whether it's conspiracies of quote-unquote moon landings, um, secret organizations, or even more mundane things such as uh, flat earth or the moon landings or anything of that sort. And so tonight, I want to discuss conspiracy theories in terms of what is a conspiracy and what as Christians should be our biblical response to such an issue as this. Because I think it's very important for Christians to tackle this topic because, unfortunately, since we live in a world that is surrounded by such ideas, Christians should have a biblical balance concerning the matter as well as to respond to such things appropriately. And so that's tonight's topic of discussion for our show. To begin, I want to start our discussion on how we define the term conspiracy. Okay? When I look at the word definition of conspiracy and put in in light of context. According to EptimologyOnline.com, conspiracy is defined as, quote, a plotting of evil, unlawful design, a combination of persons for an evil purpose. From the Anglo-French conspiracy, Old French conspiracy, conspiracy plot. From the Latin word conspirator, conspiratorium, which means agreement, unity, omnimity, or the noun of action from a past participle, which stems from the word, French word conspire, to agree, unite, plot, literally to breathe together. Dictionary defi- dictionary.com defines conspiracy as, quote, the act of conspiring, an unlawful, evil, unlawful, treacherous, or super 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 repetitious plan formulated in secret by two or more persons or a plot a combination of persons for a secret unlawful or evil purpose or as by the fourth definition lawful or an agreement by two or more persons to commit a crime fraud or other wrongful act or any concurrence in action combination of bringing about a given result. Also, a conspiracy um, is also a covert scheme to accomplish a certain end. This may involve a group of people that enter into secret agreements to achieve some objective, etc. So, when we look at the word conspiracy, while it can have negative connotation. A conspiracy can simply mean where they group or two or more people, if you will, get together to um, plot something. 
Now, of course, in our society, the word conspiracy always has negative connotations. But it doesn't always have to be a negative in that sense. For example, in a positive sense, we could say that somebody conspired with someone to um, throw a birthday party with somebody. When a group of people get together um, to form a, to, uh, excuse me, to um, form a birthday party, uh, they usually meet in secret and they get together to plan out the event or, you know, a meeting. When people have meetings in businesses that are only privy to uh, certain individuals, they get together to uh, plan their businesses and their way about going about it. So, when we look in the context of conspiracies, they don't necessarily have to be negative in a sinister sense. It simply could mean a group of two or more people getting together to plan something without somebody's knowledge. And again, this can have either both positive or negative connotations. And so, right off the right off the bat, I want to get that definition out the way because I know in our society, the term conspiracy has negative connotation, and I think that it comes from a misunderstanding of what the word means. While it is in an, it can be used in a negative sense, there can be a positive affirmation uh, for the word. Now, of course. We must ask also the question, what does the Bible have to say about engaging in conspiracies, particularly even ones that are unfounded? Well, Scripture has a lot to say on this issue, particularly when it deals with issues of so-called gossip or slander. Because unfortunately, there are conspiracy theories in which people are falsely accused of certain things without proper due process, without proper evidence. And it's unfortunate that we do have many in the Christian community that do engage in conspiracies and assertions without evidence, and they, bear, they make false claims about certain individuals. Now, of course, conspiracies do happen, and I will get into that discussion here in a few minutes concerning biblical examples, but one thing I want us as Christians to understand when evaluating conspiracy theories is to, one, look at the evidence, and at the same time, make sure that we're not making false accusations. Because the Bible is very clear about slandering and bearing false witness against others. There are various scriptures that illustrate this point. And I can go, I'm going to go ahead and give you a few examples from Scripture where this is the case, where we have to be sure that if we're going to make an accusation against somebody, we better have proper evidence, lest we be found guilty of slander, gossip, or bearing false witness against somebody without, um, without the evidence. Psalm 101, verse 5 says, quote, Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. Jesus tells us in Matthew 12, verse 36, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Ephesians 4, 29 says, quote, Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only as such is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may, be given, may give grace to those who hear. James 1, verse 26, quote, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, that this person's religion is worthless. 
Titus chapter 3, verse 2 says, quote, To speak evil of no one, to avoid quarrelings, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. End quote. Also, Proverbs six sixteen through 19 says, quote, There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven are these are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among others. Let's see. Psalm, or Proverbs 21, verse 23, quote, A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. So we see, according to there, and there are numerous scriptures that talk about slandering, gossiping, and making false accusations against individuals. And unfortunately, there are times where those who engage in conspiracy theories, although they may not willingly know it, are engaging in slander, gossip, and false accusations, and bearing false witness against others. Now, of course, we can look at biblical examples where conspiracies, in fact, do happen. Because, as we noted in the beginning of this show, that a conspiracy is simply when a group of two or more people are plotting an event or a course of action. And we see that even Scripture itself is filled with conspiracies. Conspiracies concerning um, spying, um, insurrections, revolutions, etc., that cause people a lot of harm and problems. There are many biblical examples of this. Um, let's see. Absalom and, and uh, Ophothel in Second Samuel 15, verses 12 and 31. You have David, who is involved in a conspiracy, 1 Samuel 22, 8 and 13. You have the enemies of Jesus, who plot against him to put him to death, Matthew 26, verses 3 through 4, and Acts 4, 24 through 28, where Pilate and the Gentiles and Herod are involved in the death of Christ and plotting the events concerning that. And various other examples in Scripture. You have Judas himself who conspires to betray Christ for 30 pieces of silver in the Gospels. So we see Scripture is replete with conspiracies concerning individuals that plot against, some, against people or groups of people uh, to bring about an event or course of action. Now, when we look at... Um, Today, it's unfortunate that we do have conspiracies that have Christians caught up in, in things that are not historically uh, tenable. And we know that there are conspiracies that people conjure up about early Christianity and the Christian church. Some of these examples, of course, there's things such as the Da Vinci Code, the idea that Jesus was married and and so on and so forth and that the church um, created the canon of scripture you know um, 
We have uh, the conspiracy of the um, Passover plot. We have the conspiracy of uh, the idea of the Council of Nicaea, which many claim, of course, this relates to the Da Vinci Code, that created the idea that Jesus was God and the Trinity, which, of course, if you look historically at the Council of Nicaea, this was not the case. Uh, Nero had nothing to do um, or, excuse me, Constantine had nothing to do with the creation of the canon. Um, the canon was already well established before the hand. The simple discussion of the Da Vinci Code was dealing with Arius and the heresy of Arius, which taught that Jesus was a created being. Um, so, we see that there are various conspiracies uh, throughout history and even some that are unfounded, especially in relation to the Christian Church, as given the example. Um, you have other conspiracies today, such as QAnon, in our modern time. Um, if you know anything about the QAnon movement, um, it's a pretty bizarre idea that it claims that Donald Trump, the, our former president, somehow was ridding the word of e world of evil. And many even see him as sort of a messiah figure, almost to the point of worshipping, which is a form of idolatry. So you have t today's modern culture that deals with things such as QAnon, um, you know, and then you have other interesting ideas, such as David Icke and his conspiracy of quote-unquote reptilians, which... Um, is certainly unfounded, but of course, um, in his worldview, um, higher ups, many in so called positions of power, he sees as literally uh, reptilians who basically, to put it in a more in a graphic term, drink the blood of, of, of people and um, use that as a form of power and control. Now, of course. I don't believe that theory, and I know that there are many Christians that do not, but that is another example of a modern-day conspiracy theory. So, um, it's unfortunate that we live in a society where such, such ideas are propagated. Now, of course, everybody has the right to propagate those ideas if they wish, but, of course, a lot of these theories are, one, not based on evidence, and two, if not put in check, they can lead to serious harm. And so when we look at Scripture, we see that as Christians we should not be engaging in such conspiracy theories, especially ones that are not historically founded. Now, as we noted from Scripture, do conspiracies happen? Of course they do. But I think we need to understand that uh, we should not be surprised, given that Scripture tells us that man is totally depraved and fallen in his nature. We shouldn't be surprised that there is evil in the world. We should not be surprised that there are evil people that plot against others for harmful and uh, evil intentions. This is, should not be a surprise to us. Scripture is clear of this. Jeremiah 17.9 tells us that the heart is desperately wicked above all things who can know it. 
So when we look at our society today, we should not be surprised that men do evil things. It is simply the result of the fall of man in Adam. As we read in various passages of scripture, such as Romans 5, uh, Romans 3.23, Jeremiah 17.9, etc., etc. So when we look at conspiracy theories in light of man, we need to understand it in light of man's depravity. Another problem that I think as Christians we need to also understand is that those who engage in such conspiratorial thinking oftentimes also have a um, low view of God. A very low view of God. They think that the devil um, pretty much controls everything or he's more powerful than Scripture gives us. But of course... If we study scripture, we know that God is sovereign. Daniel 4.35 talks about how he rules over nations. Scripture tells us that uh, he rules the heavens, and he does whatever he pleases, as it says in Psalm 115, verse 3. Scripture tells us that the devil himself, when we read the book of Job, that Satan cannot do anything apart from God's permissive will. When we see the case of Job, Satan wanted to torment Job. But he couldn't do that because, as it says in chapter 1, that he could only do what God permitted him to do. So even Satan does not have full control. Satan is under the control of God himself. And it's unfortunate that in today's society we have such a low view of God where the devil is given more power than Scripture uh, tells us that he has. And so, that's a danger also, theologically, for Christians um, that get involved in these conspiracies is that they, are not, they also tend to have a very bizarre theology that is not biblically balanced and it has a low view of God. Um, unfortunate as that is. So, now that we've looked at the biblical, or the definition of a conspiracy, we've looked at what the Bible says about slander and gossip. We've looked at uh, biblical examples of conspiracies, and we've also of course, sort of talked about modern conspiracies, the question we have to often ask ourselves, as well, is why do people get involved in conspiracy theories, conspiracy thinking, or those that um, are part get involved in conspiracy cults? Well, some of the dangers that lie in conspiracy thinking is that it's a form of Gnosticism. Now, if you know about the history of the Christian Church, there was a heresy within the first century called Gnosticism. And of course, Gnosticism refers to Gnosis, or secret knowledge. Those ty these type of people that have this sort of thinking think that, that somehow they have secret knowledge that nobody else is um, privy to. That somehow they found the truth, that they have the answers, and that anybody that does not know what the knowledge that they have. They're considered ignorant, they're considered blind, they're considered sheep, etc., etc. 
And you'll find this a lot in the conspiratorial movement, where if you don't agree with them on something, or if you find a certain claim of theirs as unfounded, they're going to have this mindset where it's you against them, where you're the one that's deceived, where you're the one that's the sheeple, where you're the one that, you know, is blind to the truth. It, it's basically a psychological state of thinking. Such people that get drawn into this mindset, they often feel insecure. They have a pessimistic view of life. They're often depressed. And they believe the worst things about people uh, around them. And they have a form of paranoia where they see the whole world against them. Even fellow believers at times, this is often the case. Because on a personal note, I was actually involved in conspiracy thinking for a time. In my younger days as a Christian, I was involved in things such as, quote-unquote, the truth movement. I entertained various conspiracy theories because I wanted to, you know, be a part of something. Uh, I've, I got a thrill from engaging in, in conspiratorial research because I thought, uh, wow, I'm such an enlightened individual. Uh, I found the truth that nobody has uh, found. And of course, I, you know, such thinking leads to pride and into a high state of intellectualism where you think that you're above everybody else. And unfortunately, during my time in such a, such a movement, I did often feel paranoid. I often did feel the whole world was against me. I often did feel that I was more intelligent than others because of the so-called evidence and facts that I claimed to have known and found out. And unfortunately, this also came down to a poor sort, poor understanding of theology. Because in my theology, I didn't have a high view of God. I didn't have a high view of uh, Scripture or even Christ himself. And it's unfortunate, because such thinking almost destroyed me. But when I became, well, of course, when I started studying Scripture and seeing that God is in control and that he is sovereign and started to hold on to the doctrines of grace, I realized that, you know, such paranoia was unfounded. Because God is in control. He knows the end as well as the beginning. And he knows the ends and the means to accomplish his will. As it says in Ephesians 1, 11, uh, Daniel 4, 35, Psalm 115, verse 3, etc. Um, and so, when you're involved in conspiratorial thinking... It can also mess you up psychologically. Not only that, but conspiracies can also be known to break up families, cause financial ruin to people, um, to where they lose everything. Um, and it creates a sense of, as I stated, insecurity, where when you have such a conspiratorial mindset, you live in fear almost every day. And it's unfortunate because, as I said earlier, there are Christians that are involved in such conspiratorial thinking and fear-mongering. And as Christians, this should not be the way we see the world. If we are in Christ, then we should not be afraid. Because we have, as Scripture says, passed from death to life, as it says in John 5.24. 
um, that we no longer are condemned, as it says in Romans 8.1, there's now therefore no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And we know that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, as it says in Romans 8. And that all that the Father gives to Christ will not be cast away, and they will not be snatched out of his hand. John 6, 37-44, John 10, 27-28. And so as Christians, we shouldn't have that mindset. We understand that the world has fallen. We understand that man in his wicked heart does evil things. We, but we also understand that God is in control of the world. And that no evil that happens can happen without his permission. And we also know that given the victory we have in Christ through the death of the cross and his resurrection, we know that God will see everything to an expected end. We know that God has dealt with the problem of evil and wickedness through the death of his Son on the cross. And we also understand that at the consummation of the kingdom, of Christ that is coming that evil will be totally done away with as it says in scripture as well as in God uh, creeds such as the Apostles Creed where it says he will come to judge the living and the dead and he will put an end to wickedness and so as Christians we should not be afraid of such things when we hear of conspiracies and rumors and so on and so forth because even Jesus said in Matthew 24 that we would hear wars and rumors of wars and and wicked things that are taking place in the earth etc but Jesus said don't be afraid when these things happen or come to pass that we shouldn't be frightened out of our wits um, and as if we are hopeless you know it's unfortunate because Again, when it comes to man's fallen nature, he loves to be in control. He loves to be his own authority. He loves to be autonomous. He doesn't want to be held to a higher authority. He does not want God to be his source of authority and way of life, which is what we're talk we are told what we are told about in the book of Romans chapter 1, that man does not give glory to God in all things for the gifts he has, for the life he has. Because scripture is clear that we, we live and move and are, have our being in God himself, as it says in Acts 17. And that God reigns his mercy and grace both on the just and the unjust, as we're told in Matthew 5, verse 45. And so as Christians, this should not be our way of thinking. We should not have to live in this way of paranoia, in this way of fear. And we should not be caught up in such thinking because such thinking can lead to a sense of pride, arrogance, forms of Gnosticism. And it also takes away from our greatest call of all as Christians. And that is to, be pre and that is to preach the gospel unto all men, to all creatures. It takes away from the great commission that we are told about in Matthew 28, 19-29 that we're to go to all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and serving all that Christ has commanded us. It takes away from proclaiming the gospel um, to both Jews and Gentiles as Paul says in Romans 1.16. And so, rather, 
then spend our time in conspiratorial thinking because as I stated there's a sense of elitism there's a sense of pride when one gets involved in conspiracy theories particularly ones that are unfounded but leads to leads to a very low view of God and theologically it leads to a form of Gnosticism it leads to a form of paranoia and in being afraid all the time rather than trusting in God and his word and doing things that edify uh, the church and edify the body of Christ it also ruins people financially as I stated people spend most of their time in, cons in the in, that are involved in conspiracies and conspiratorial movements and so on and so forth wasting time spreading the gospel of conspiracies people go to seminars and buy books by these conspiratorial writers and spend lots of money um, on these things that really in a sense have no profit because the conspiratorial minds the conspiratorial movements and many of them are involved in money making they profit of people's fears and insecurities and it's unfortunate because even Jesus said in Scripture that many will make merchandise of you. Of course, this is to many within the Christian church that use the gospel for frivolous gain, but in practicality, it also can extend to outside the church as well in everyday life. That man in his wickedness will seek to profit, uh, profit himself over others and use others for, for selfish gain. And it's unfortunate that even in the conspiratorial movements that this is often the case. Now, of course, many people, uh, that especially Christians, will often use a, uh, one particular scripture that talks about uh, exposing the unfruitful works of darkness. And that comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 11, where it tells us in this text that we should have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them and expose them. However, if we are to read this scripture in context, we will find that the uh, passage in question is talking about fellow believers and to be a living example for those in Christ. In verses 1 through uh, 6, we read, quote, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us, and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. Savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it be not once named among you, as becometh saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather give of thanks. For this you know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath an inheritance in the kingdom of God, and of God, Christ, and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be ye not therefore partakers of them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk, as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable to the Lord. 
And so when we look at the text of Scripture, we find that that this has nothing to do uh, with conspiracies and secret societies, but rather this is talking about deeds of darkness and certain actions that um, that we as believers, those within the church, should not be engaging in. But whether we are to walk in the light of Christ, we are to be a living example, as Scripture says. We're to walk in the fruit of the Spirit, as it tells us in Galatians chapter 5. And we are to be an example to others. As Jesus tells us that, um, you know, be a light to others, so that we may glorify our Father which is in heaven. And we're to be a light to the world and salt of the earth. And we're to be living epistles, as Paul would say in the book of Corinthians. That's what we should be doing as Christian believers. Not wasting our time in vain speculations, which we're told to avoid in the scriptures. But rather, we are to be spending our time edifying one another. We should be spending time spreading the gospel of Christ and the cross. We should be building each other up in the church as we're told in the book of Ephesians, that he's given uh, certain people gifts for the edifying of the body, that we are to build up the saints, we're to teach them, admonish them, make disciples. That should be our uh, business as believers, that we should be going about, as Jesus even said to Mary and Joseph when he was in the temple, he said, I'm about my father's business. And so we, as fellow believers, should be about our Father's business as well in preaching of the gospel, edifying one another, and building each other up instead of worrying about what man can do, instead of worrying about conspiracies and living in fear all the time. Because we know the world has fallen. We know that man's heart is deceitfully wicked above all things who can know it. And we should not be surprised when we hear of such things taking place. But we believe in a God who is sovereign. We believe in a God who's in control. And we know that He has an, an unexpected end for us. And we know that He rules over all things and that He will see to its end. And so as Christians, we shouldn't be afraid of these things. We understand the world is afraid. We understand what our society lives with without Christ. We know that scripture tells us that in, in the last days, man's hearts would fail them and that many of them would live in fear. But those of us that are in Christ, we have assurance. We have a sure hope. We have an anchor, as it says in the book of Hebrews, an anchor to the saving of the soul. And that's Christ himself. And we know we are no longer condemned and we have passed from death to life, and we can have assurance of our salvation. And as John says in 1 John 5.13, we can know we have eternal life. And so we should not be afraid. And dear fellow, and dear brother and sister in Christ, if you find yourself in such conspiratorial thinking, if you find yourself living in fear because of the things that you see and the things that you hear, I implore you, look to Christ. Look to God, who, can never fa who never fails you. 
It is in Him you should put your trust. As it says in the Psalms, we should not put our trust in kings or princes, but rather trust in the Lord. He is the one who makes our path straight, as it says in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5. That he, in verse 6, that, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and, you know, he will make your path straight. And it's in him we should trust and find our hope. Not within man. Cursed be the man who makes, cursed be the one who makes man the flesh of his arm, as it says in Jeremiah 17, 5. But rather, we will trust in the Lord. We will trust in the Lord with all our heart, our mind, and soul, and all of our being. And we know that it is the fear of God that brings all wisdom and understanding. Proverbs 1.7 And so, dear reader, dear brother and sister in Christ who is listening to this podcast now, if you have found yourself in such mindsets, a mindset, in such way of thinking, and you feel that it has veered you off the course in your relationship with God and your relationship with Christ, I implore you to to seek His loving grace. Get in His Word. Read, his, read the Scriptures. Pray. Seek Him daily. And you will have nothing to fear. You should fear God and not man. Perfect love casts down all fear. So fellow believer, brother and sister in Christ who is listening, look to God who is your hope, your strength, and your salvation. Trust in Him. He will never let you down. And know that if you are in Christ Jesus, nothing can separate you that's from the love of God that is in Him. And you know, you can know, and you know by trusting in Him that you do have eternal life. If you seek the cross of Christ and you realize and put your trust in what He's done for you, then you have assurance. You have hope. And even though you may at times feel fear, and you may be afraid, don't be. Because God promises to, to keep His sheep, to not cast them away, but to protect them with His guiding hand, as we're told in Scripture. And so today, I want to thank all of my listeners for taking the time to listen to this podcast I hope it's been edifying for you. I probably didn't cover a whole lot of things, and uh, I apologize for that. I was actually supposed to do this podcast a few days ago, but I got wrapped up in some personal affairs, so my apologies for getting this podcast out late. But I pray that, that this podcast has been edifying for you, that you've come to an understanding about conspiracies, what it means, what a conspiracy is, what is the biblical view of conspiracies? What the damage? Can, what damages have been done in the name of conspiracies? As well as 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 well as the as well as understanding that as Christians we should not let conspiracies guide our lives. That it becomes an obsession to the point of paranoia, to the point of idolatry, to the point of living in fear, and also that I have. That you that by trusting in Christ and believing in the gospel and 
edifying the saints and that we are called to spend our time in a more wise manner redeeming the times for the days are evil that we are we have a higher calling than of the world and that our thinking should not be the thinking of the world but as Paul says in Romans chapter 12 that we should be renewed and transformed of our mind and that the fear of God should be the be our fear of God should begin begin be the beginning of our wisdom and understanding, as it says in Proverbs 1-7. I pray that this podcast has been edifying for each of you, and that, um, that you will continue to study His Word, continue to build each other up in the church and as the body of Christ, continue to lift each other up daily, continue to edify one another, continue to pray for those that are in need, and especially in times such as this. And so, I pray this podcast has been edifying for each of you that have been listening this evening. I will be back soon, with uh, 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 in a week or so, with another podcast. Once I have decided, of course, what topic I'm going to discuss. I haven't really um, decided on a particular topic as of yet. I may end up doing a book review for the next podcast since I'm currently reading a, a book by Erwin Lutzer called Jesus Among the Gods. I may give a review of that book for everyone who is interested in learning about it and go through some of the chapters and probably read some excerpts. So, that'll probably be on next week's or the following week's podcast, depending on uh, time constraints. So, I appreciate all my listeners and to those out there that... Uh, in the body of Christ who are edified by the by these discussions that are edified by these things that I pray are, are and hope are building you up in the body in the in Christ and in the body of Christ. I pray for each of you daily. May all of you be edified. May all of you continue to walk in our Lord Jesus Christ and continue to study his word daily, diligently, and to share the good news to those that need to hear it. God bless you, and talk to you all soon.